0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Thirty Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farokh, and I'm here with my co-host Nick Sigelski. How are we doing, my man? I am doing fantastic, Armand. We got a great show today. How are you? Fantastic. We're coming in hot with Richard Harris, the one and only CEO and president of Harris Consulting. He's trained tons and tons of SaaS sales teams all over the Silicon Valley. He's also the host of the Surf and Sales podcast with Scott Lease. Nick, why the heck should people listen to this episode?
1: couple reasons one richard's got this really effective strategy called the respect contract which in my opinion is one of the best ways that you can kick off a good meeting he also shared a lot of really tactical strategies to stop chasing maybes which frankly and this is his words the number one way to break the will and spirit of a human being is to chase maybes this was a great episode i'm excited to get into it
0: fantastic let's roll the tape three two one go live
1: Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes.
0: This actionable tactic on selling to power is sponsored by SalesLoft. Don't start from zero when a champion introduces you to power. Explain the three to four priorities you learn from the champion, but then ask them to validate what's really important to them or what we missed. And we partnered with SalesLoft to give you a whole bunch of talk tracks on selling to power. The link is in the show notes.
1: Did you know that 60% of proposals are viewed on a mobile device, which means if you're sending a text stock or a slide deck, the formatting is going to look really ugly and you're going to make a bad impression. Luckily, our friends at Quiller are here to help. Quiller pages are built on the web, which means they're mobile responsive and they actually look good on a cell phone. And Quiller is having an offer right now to upgrade your proposal from an ugly tech stock to a Quiller page for free. So you can see what your boring proposal looks like as a beautiful Quiller page. There is a link in the show notes to All right, Richard, welcome to the show. We're excited to be talking with you. You know we start every single episode with three actionable tips, so let's get yours.
2: Yeah, no worries. Thank you guys for having me. I I really appreciate it, it means a lot. So action tip number one, uh, how to handle send me an email, right, that dreaded email request.
1: Cool. We'll talk about that one. What's number two?
2: Uh, Number two, question behind the question, right? When someone asks you a question, what do you do? That's the second one. And the third one, open and closed into questions, really understanding what they are beyond yes or no.
1: Love it. We were talking about that number three on the prep call that we were doing for this. And I'm really excited to dig into that. So if I'm a listener right now, I'm definitely like, okay, how do I handle that? Send me an email objection or response. Can we talk about that? Can you give give me what that looks like?
2: The first place I would say is that you need to be able to ask someone hey great i can send you a thousand emails right i can blow up your inbox but what do you really want to see right so i can send you the right thing the other thing and this is actually what i like to say before that is to say hey nick i'm going to send you an email and you do know that that means i have to keep emailing and calling for the next several weeks right? Like, you know, that's going to happen. So before you ask me to send an email, do you really want me to do that? Because if you're just trying to be nice, that's cool. I get it. But I don't want to bug you. And then when they say, no, Richard, I really want you to send an email. Then I'll I'll say, great. What do you want to see? What do you want to talk about? Like, I'm happy to send that. And then the third part is to say, after I send this, can I ask you for time on the calendar now or should I wait? Don't forget to ask what you really need, which is that next meeting, right? We always forget that. We always take the, this is an inmate, send me an email, send me some information, but we never ask for the most important part, which is great after you get it. And after you review it, can we then have a meeting because, and granted, most people are going to say no, but it's more about you exercising the muscle to ask for the meeting, which is the real purpose of how you handle, how do you send me an email?
1: That's really nice. There's a ton of gold that we can pull out of there. Like One of the big ones is you're getting to the heart of whether or not they're actually interested in talking with you. Because if they want, they are actually interested in an email, Like they'll give you more detail and it helps you do a better job. And if they're not, you figure that out also. And a lot of times a rep hears, hey, send me an email, and that's kind of a win, and they stop. But you've got to finish the job.
2: That's not even any kind of a win. Send me an email is not a kind of a win right? Send me an email is giving you a maybe. I want yeses and no's. I don't do maybes. Nothing will exhaust the spirit and will of any human being more than chasing maybes. I don't care if it's in sales. I don't care if it's in marketing. I don't care if it's uh, in dating. Don't chase maybes.
0: One of my best SDRs will do something similar where he'll say, "I I know you want me to send you an email. Do you mind if I ask you a really honest question first? And the prospect will say yes. And he'll say, usually when people tell me they want to see an email, they're honestly just politely telling me to go away. Is that what's happening here? And you get people to open up and you get the real answer that you're looking for.
1: So Richard, Okay. so we've gotten that person. We've sent him an email. Now they've said, hey, actually, I do want to talk with you. You were sharing some really interesting things with us before about the question behind the question. And something I'm excited to dig in with you a little bit about is like having really effective discovery and not just getting the things on a checklist, but like actually understanding what's going on there. So can you talk a little bit about what your discovery or qualification calls look like?
2: Yeah. So I just came up with this. You made me think hard about it, is that we think in pictures, but we speak in words. That's the challenge. So when people ask us a question, there's a picture in their head. And oftentimes, the words they're using don't align with the picture, right? So it can be something like, hey, Richard, how do you compare to this particular trainer? Well, I and a lot of salespeople, we go into panic mode of, oh, my God, they're talking to someone else. It's my competitor. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. When in fact, I said, oh, well, here's how I do that. But just out of curiosity, Armand, what makes you ask about them in the first place? And what Armand says is way more important than the question he asked me, because you'll get things like, oh, well, we're talking to them and we had a really good conversation. Well, as much as that stings, at least I want to know, right? At least, I, at least I can now have an honest conversation about it, right? If it goes dark or I lose it, I know, right? Armand might turn around and say, you know what? We just had a conversation with so-and-so and it went terrible. Oh, well, it doesn't happen all the time, but that does happen. I I get that response. So the goal of question behind the question is to get people to paint the picture in their head that made them ask you the question. I mean, it matters what they ask, but it kind of doesn't until you understand the picture.
1: That was really helpful. They ask you a question and you say, well, I'm happy to answer that. Do you mind if I ask why you asked that question? Like what's coming out of your mouth when they ask you a question that you feel like you might need to get
2: behind? People will say, hey, can your product or service do this? Right, And it's, it's that moment where you're like, oh my God, my competitor does that way better than us. But this is how you use question behind the question And that is to be able to say, hey, Nick, actually our product doesn't do that. But just so I understand, how important is that for you to make this decision? Because that's what I really need to know. I'm not trying to go head to head against my competitor. I'm trying to go head to head against the picture that's in Nick's head. So let's say there's
0: not a question to ask the question behind the question with. Let's say you're just kicking off the discovery call you've set some sort of agenda. And the third point that you talked about is open versus close ended questions. How do you start to pry the prospect open in a way that's a, a little bit more than like, tell me about your priorities, which is the most generic, tell me about your business in the next X number of years.
2: There's a thing that I teach called a respect contract about how you open a conversation in a first scheduled meeting you confirm time, goals, outcome, potential outcomes, asking for the no, creating a mini contract, and then you have a transition statement. So this is how I teach everybody more or less to do what I do. And it works all the time is to say, Hey, so just role play with me, Nick. Hey, Nick, it's Richard. Uh, how you doing?
0: Hey, Richard. It's nice to talk with you.
2: Likewise. Hey, I got us down for 30 minutes. Does that still work?
1: 30 minutes works, but I have a hard stop. I got to talk with my buddy Armand after. So uh, yeah, we got till
2: four here. No problem. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set a timer at 25 minutes and we're just going to call a timeout no matter where we are and just assess where we're at. Does that work for you?
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: We can do that.
2: Uh, excellent. So, and just so you know, Nick, my only goal this conversation, I just want to get a mutual frame of reference about what you're up to. I want to understand what you're looking for in terms of sales and sales training in your world ask you some questions certainly want you to ask me any questions explain what i do and and let me know if there's something specific you want to talk about anything particular you want to talk about on the agenda today
1: yeah you know i was reading a blog post of yours about great discovery questions and i want to make sure that we dig into that because that's something the team's having a lot of trouble with
2: great so we'll talk about that so thank you for sharing that then and, and the one thing i want you to know nick look the last thing either one of us need to do is waste each other's time so if at any point you feel like i'm not the right guy please say so. I promise you won't offend me. Likewise, if I discover I don't think I can help you, I'll say so. Not only that, but I once I understand what you're looking for, if it's not me, I'll be the first to recommend you to somebody else because a lot of us know each other in the world and we know our swim lanes and we know where our strengths are and we know where other people are stronger. So I just want to make sure that we can have a really nice open dialogue. Is that fair?
1: That sounds fair to me. I appreciate that, Richard. Thank you.
2: That way I don't have to send reaching out and checking in and touching base emails that I know you hate getting and I hate sending.
1: What you're doing at the beginning of the meeting is you can't have your customer bring the walls down and actually have an honest conversation with somebody if they're thinking about, OK, does this guy know I've got a hard stop at 30 minutes or like confirming the time and the logistics and all of those things at the outset are expected. Like, And even the thing where you, you talk about ending five minutes early, you get all of that out in front And then it brings down everybody's walls because you've taken care of all of the blocking and tackling and logistics, and then you can just have the conversation. Otherwise, you're getting interrupted 22 minutes in when you're on a great, great riff where you're having a conversation with the customer, and like, oh, hey, by the way, I got to go in eight minutes. You take care of all of that in the beginning.
2: The five minute timeout is designed, and I literally will set my phone on a timer, and I will leave it on, and I will let the customer hear it or the prospect. Because if we are in those good conversations, it's like, oh my God, where did 25 minutes go? And that emotion is what you're trying to capture, right? And you'd be surprised how often people will be like, oh, we can go an extra five minutes. Let's go a little bit longer, right? But what I'm really trying to avoid is the, hey, Nick, this has been a great conversation. I know you got to go, by the way, can I call you next week? What I don't want Nick to do is say, just email me on Monday. We'll set up a time next week because Lord knows that turns into two more weeks, That's not what I want to happen. And so that five minute makes me stop.
0: Why don't we go over to when it comes to you've finished up your discovery. What does the recap of that discovery look like? And then how do you transition into commercial terms if you're talking about price in that call?
2: So first thing is, I always teach people to change that word price, budget, money, any of those things to the phrase commercial terms. Let's test you, Armand. This is the test in front of your sales team. Okay. Why do I need to use the word commercial terms and not the word price or budget?
0: All right, putting me on the spot. So the first thing is that the mental red flags behind price. The second thing is commercial terms can be a lot of different things. It can be uh, payment terms. It can be different durations. It could be invoicing. And so how do you know that price is the issue? A lot of times we'll push discount when it's actually timing. That's the issue.
2: Or yes, and yes, and it has a lot to do with There's a negotiation that's implied. It means price for whatever reason, and maybe it's me, and I think it's other people. As soon as we hear that in a sales conversation these days, our customers and our prospects are trying to commoditize us. Remember, they're thinking in pictures, but speaking in words. They're going, oh, in their head, they're going Richard versus Sandler versus Miller Hyman versus Medic, right? Right which now means I'm going to be commoditized against all of them. Commercial terms means there's something way more to this conversation than just a number and a dollar sign.
0: I was going to say, I use that in a lot of other terms too, Richard. It's not just about commercial terms, but when people start delivering, I'll just say it now, price, sometimes you have different tiers of service and people will refer to them as which package do you want? And it's like, do you want the the Happy Meal? Do you want the Big Mac with fries? Do you want the Pepsi on the side? Don't call it a package or or an all-in-one solution. You're tailoring what you're offering them from a service standpoint based on their specific problems. You basically explain, these are the problems that we're going to solve.
2: When you're going to walk into that commercial terms conversation, you should define what those elements are. Hey, we're going to talk about commercials. And by the way, just so we're on the same page, Yes, we're going to talk about dollars and cents. We're going to talk about the legal process. We're going to talk about an onboarding process, payment terms, and then timeline related to all of this. That's what your commercial terms are.
0: So when you actually got to talk about dollars and cents, you have a perspective on how you should actually say and give price. What is that?
2: Yeah. 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 So it's all about the F word of sales called feelings. Every single thing we buy in the world has a feeling associated with the dollars, right? So the way I suggest to people to do this is to say, Hey, Nick, based on what we talked about, we're going to do two days of training. Cost for that's going to be $24,000. How does that feel? And so normally I would wait for Nick to answer that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I didn't
1: know if you wanted me to
2: answer that. It's all right. It's okay. Because people will say things that matter. Like, if you say, how does that align with the budget? Are you comfortable with that price? First of all, they've been trained and conditioned to not answer those questions, right?
1: Oh, it's a little high, right? I'm always going to say.
2: Yes, but I would much rather say, how does that feel? And have them say, it feels a little high. Because now when I say, compared to what? There's a feeling of what number were you feeling is a good number. You get... Honest emotional responses that work really well that let you know. Like I have people go, that feels about right. All right. About right's good. Okay. I'll have other people say, Oh, that feels right in line with our budget. Like they don't even realize they just told me that was the budget. I've had people say, wow, that feels less than I expected. And of course, then I'm shooting myself in the head, going, Oh my God, I have money on the table. And I've had people go, No, that feels that feels a little expensive. And I'll be like, Okay, well, let's let's talk about that. Like What were your expectations coming in? Not what budget do you have? What were your expectations? Because expectations are an emotion and a feeling. So it's all about feeling. The worst advice that I ever hear, and I still hear it sometimes, is that I was told to give pricing and then shut up and just wait for an answer. And it's kind of like, why? Like, are you Nostradamus? Like, you can determine what really is happening in the silence?
1: We could probably talk about this stuff all day, Richard. I think it's time we move to our last question.
0: All right. So Richard, this has been awesome. And we've talked about a lot of the good habits, but there are a ton of bad habits out there too. And we see things that should stop happening immediately in the sales floor. And so if there's one thing that every sales rep needs to stop doing right away to be
2: more successful, what would that one bad habit to break be? To stop saying, does that make sense? Because it's a terrible question. There's probably one or two percents where it makes sense. What I want you to say instead, or what I encourage people to say is... Hey, now that I've explained that, how does this compare to your current process? How does this compare to, is this better than what you were doing before? Because that's what I need to know. I don't need to know if it makes sense. I need to know if it's better or worse or the same.
0: So Richard, this was a fantastic time. And so everybody hold on because we have a ton of actionable takeaways to go through in the recap email. That's going to be 60 seconds long in three, two, one.
1: Today's sales email tip is brought to you by Lavender. If you want to get more replies to your sales emails, try removing exclamation points and question marks from your email subject lines. They cause open rates to plummet. Instead, make the subject line feel internal. It should be short, one to three words, and it should showcase the topic of the email, but also be about them. We sat down with Lavender and built a sales email framework guide with emails for every step of your sales process. And there is a link in the show notes to get it for free.
0: All right, everybody, here are our top four takeaways for the episode with Richard Harris. The first is that you should set a timer that goes off 25 minutes into your 30-minute call. It forces you to have five minutes to discuss next steps. Have it audibly go off. The second is when they say, send me an email, you got to be disarmingly blunt. You got to say, hey, if I send you an email, that means I got to keep calling you and emailing you over the next couple of weeks. And, And so do you really want me to send you that email? Or can we just have an open and honest conversation the third point is that there's the question behind the question whenever somebody asks you for how you differ from a certain competitor or how you integrate with x solution understand the use case understand why they're asking that question are they looking at the competitor what does that actually mean and then the last fourth takeaway is phrase your pricing conversations around commercial terms instead of price do not use the word price The reason is that it means a lot more than dollars. Commercial terms could include the terms of service. It could be payment terms. It could be things that come up in red lines. It could be invoicing type of policies. And so make sure that you talk about commercial terms in a holistic view of the deal. Nick, how can people help us out here?
1: Look, if you like us, there's one way to help us. Don't waste your time sharing, liking, or even writing a review. The number one way to help 30 Minutes to President's Club grow is to subscribe to us on iTunes. Please do that, and we'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club.